so Philippians chapter 3, we are, I'm continuing last week's um, uh, sermon. I started it, I wasn't able to finish it, and I knew we had a lot of other things going on this morning, and so I, I saved a little bit for today. So if you get out your, um, get out your notes, uh, you can download the app. Hey, something else on this app, this app is awesome. Um, Grace Church, Grace Springfield, you can download it. All of our events are on there. So if you ever want to know what's going on, just hit that events tab and it gives you all the dates. And so if you have a smartphone, then you always can know what's going on at the church for all the events at any time. You just have it right there. And I just discovered that yesterday. So I didn't even know that was on there. It's just fantastic. So um, we're in uh, Philippians chapter 3. We're talking about joy's focus, the focus of joy. And well, last week, and I'll, I'll read a couple of verses we read last week for context. Uh, we started uh, with talking about rejoicing in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so there's this aspect of rejoicing in the Lord that it talks about in, um, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, which is about joy and about rejoicing. It says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters... Whatever goes on in your life, and how many you know whatever covers a lot, right? So whatever is going on, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your safety. And the, the aspect that's so important here is understanding that rejoicing is not a feeling. Rejoicing is an action. Rejoicing is what we've been doing this morning, of singing, of worshiping, of praying. As David said, he encouraged himself in the Lord. That is what rejoicing is. And if we wait for rejoicing to arrive like a feeling, we'll be, we'll be waiting a long time. Um, but it's an action that we take of rejoicing in the Lord. And as we do that, our feelings do begin to change. But they're not based. we don't base everything on our feelings. We base ourselves on who the Lord is and what He has done for us. And even as it says in Romans, it's in your notes, our thoughts, our ways of thinking, our pattern of life is transformed as our mind is renewed to be like Christ and that manifests in, in all the areas of our life. And so the first point that we actually covered last week is that there's no future in my past. And the first part of chapter 3, Paul is talking about his past accomplishments. He's talking about his victories, his religious pedigree, uh, so to speak. And, 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 and that can happen to us. Maybe uh, if your past is the good old days, then you can live in the good old days. And you're not moving into all that God has for you now. Or maybe your past is a part of, like Paul's was, where there are some things that he was really ashamed of. There are some things he was a persecutor of Christians. And, and there's, there, that was, he, was, he was ashamed of that. He, was, he regretted that. He wished that never would have happened. And maybe there's some things in your life that you'd say, man, I wish I could go back. I would do some things differently. And what this passage is telling us is that there's no future being focused on our past. That the Lord is wanting to change your mindset, change your directory, uh, get you focused on what is, He's doing now and what He's going to do in your future. And so um, you can listen to that sermon. You can download it off the, off the website or you can uh, listen to it on the, uh, on the app. And, but that's what last week was all about. This week... Uh, we're going we're gonna to pick up the next set of verses. We're talking about there's purpose in my present. That right now, we're, we're, our past has been redeemed. As we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that is under the blood, that's under the work of the cross. We're not living in our past. If we've put our faith in Christ, we've received forgiveness from Him. But we believe there's purpose in our present. 
There's purpose in our present. That whatever's going on in your life, God can use it for His glory. That there's purpose in what He wants to do in your life right now. Romans 8.28 says He works all things together for good for those that love Him and that are called according to His purposes. And so there's this idea of purpose. There's this idea of intentionality. There's, this, there's the reality that God is at work in the, this very present moment in your life. But, and you may not feel like it. And that goes back to about the feelings of like rejoicing. You're like, how could God be doing anything in my life right now? Maybe you feel like it's a mess, or maybe you feel like um, it's boring. Um, like, is what could be going on? How could God have purpose in my life right now? But He does. There is purpose for right now. And we see this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Paul says this. And I'm, I'm going to read these, these three verses, and I'll go back and, and kind of walk through them. It says, not that I have already obtained all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus." And so Paul here begins to use the metaphor, the analogy of a race. Uh, if you think of like a foot race of, of running, and if you, if you read this, if you have that kind of mentality, if you think about it that way, these verses really begin to make sense. Or maybe you're a NASCAR fan. Hey, that's a race too. So you can think of NASCAR, of cars racing. But as you begin to think about these things, you can, you can begin to have this, this understanding of what he's saying. He's saying here, um, he's saying, it's not that I've already obtained all of this. And if you just want to write in your bulletin or take a little note, if you just want to write the word dissatisfaction, I'm going to talk about dissatisfaction for a moment, divine dissatisfaction. Because he says here, he goes, he goes, I've not already obtained all of this. Well, what is this? Or have made, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of Christ who took hold of me. Um, he goes, and he then talks about why Christ took hold of him, and he uses the word it. What is this it? What is this? Well, since I don't have a lot of time this morning, I'm just going to give you the bottom line answer. The bottom line answer is it's knowing Christ. It's knowing Christ. That's what this is all about. He had given all of his pedigree. He had talked about not having confidence in his flesh ability to be able to please God. Uh, he's, in the earlier verses, he's talking about having confidence in his relationship with the Lord and the work of, his, of the Spirit in his life. But he goes, I've not already obtained all of this. I don't really fully know Christ in the full way that I want to know Him. I've not, I'm, I've, or have already been made perfect. Not speaking of not sinless, but not being complete or whole, of, uh, perfected of being finished, of fully knowing Christ in all of this way. And he's talking here about a divine dissatisfaction. Now we'll read in, in chapter 4 about being satisfied in Christ. We'll read about um, being content in all things, in all situations. But we're talking about here's a divine dissatisfaction of being hungry to know Christ more and to know Him fully. Um, you know, with the, with the tournament going on, the basketball tournament, you hear different commentators, they'll use phrases like, well, that team was just hungrier than the other team, or that team just wanted it a little bit more. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about not being, being desirous, really wanting to know the Lord. That I know we would never use these words with our mouth, but it's my prayer that my heart and your heart would never be such that we would be satisfied with how much we know the Lord right now. 
that we would be satisfied with. Yeah, I, I, know, I know as much of the Bible as I need to know. I, I hear the Holy Spirit as well as I need to, hold the, to, to hear the Holy Spirit. I'm, yeah, Jesus and me, yeah, yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. We, no, that's not the right the attitude is, oh, I want to know Christ more. I'm not satisfied in how much I know Him. I want to know Him fully. And I introduced this topic last week, but there's this dichotomy. There's this, there's this struggle between having been saved, being, having been saved, being saved, and will be fully saved. This, this, re, this living in the here and now, but also being a citizen of heaven. This, this, this difficulty of being in Christ, of knowing Christ as our Savior, but how we, how we can know Him so much more. And so Paul is not content. Paul is pressing in. He's pressing in on that. And that's my, that's my prayer for us this morning, is that we would, we would, we would press in. Uh, the, the, the wording here talks about him leaning in. He goes, he goes well, this one thing I do, he goes, I, I forget what is I, I strain towards. Uh, the whole idea there is like runners and this, the tape at the end of the line, and they're, they're, they're putting their chest out. They're, they're, they're leaning into winning this race. That that's the kind of attitude that Paul is saying to have uh, for us to have purpose in our present is to lean into Jesus and everything that Jesus wants to do to not have a laid back approach, but have an aggressive approach of going after him. If you want to use a NASCAR analogy, it's the last lap and you hit the gas and you're going as hard and as fast as you can to cross that finish line. This is the, this is, this is what he's, he's talking about. He's about not having this dissatisfaction. And, and as he does this in verse 13, he uses the phrase, but this one thing I do. He says, he goes, but this one thing I do, I'm I'm leaving behind the past and I'm focused on what Jesus is doing right now and I'm looking at what he wants to do. He goes, this one thing I do. And and it's the whole idea, maybe you've seen like a junior high race or an elementary uh, race, you've gone to you know, track and field day at your kids or grandkids school, or maybe you remember this from when you were in school and the kids are racing and while they're racing, they're looking around, aren't they? And you know, they running, you know, and they're... They're looking and they're tripping over themselves and they're falling and, and, and somebody else will win because they weren't focused on the race. And this idea here is, and this is that there's so many distractions around us that we can, we can lose, we can, we can lose the, the understanding of the purpose that the Lord has for us right now in this moment. That you could begin to think that my race is your race. Or I can begin to think that my race is your race, and it's not. We all have our own lanes. Now, we're all running together, but we all have our own lanes. And so it's not a comparison thing about comparing ourselves or how fast or, or whatever it is to others. It's just we're focused on Jesus. We're pressing into Him, and we're not comparing ourselves to others. We're growing in our knowledge and understanding of Jesus. Because not just in, in the idea of, of comparing ourselves to others, but how I many of you, there has to be focus in this world, because if not, there's a lot of distractions. W- would you guys agree with that? I mean, this world is full of distractions. I mean, you, even our phones, I mean, those are just working to distract us. There's all kinds of distractions that, that if we don't stay focused, like, like Paul said, this one thing I do, this one thing I do, if we don't focus on this one thing of pursuing Jesus, distractions just get us. Just the other night, I was at uh, Walmart, just, just right up here, the uh, little marketplace Walmart, and I was picking up some groceries, and, and we needed some spaghetti sauce, right? Just some, some simple spaghetti sauce. 
Well, as I'm shopping for spaghetti sauce, Heather likes ragu. I'm going to pick out a ragu spaghetti sauce. Do you know how many flavors of ragu spaghetti sauce there are? At that Walmart, there's 31 flavors. That doesn't count Progresso, Great Value, or any of the, the, um, the more cool brands or whatever those are, the, desi- the, the designer brands. Um, just ragu. 31 flavors of ragu. I mean, I just got distracted. I just need red, and I need to go on noodles. Right? That's all I need. I don't need 31 flavors. I just need some spaghetti sauce. And this world is so complicated. It's so complex. And getting more so every day, the information overload that we experience, that we intentionally have to be focused on pursuing Christ. Because if we're not, social media, TV, Work, people, all kinds of stuff will hinder us. Hebrews says, in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, I, I just drop all those things that slow me down, that weigh me down. And I run this race in such a way that I can run straighter, faster, harder into all that God has for me. That's, that's what he's all, that's what we got to do. We got to focus. The first sermon of, this, of the year, I preached on even the topic one thing. And I used illustrations. There's so many illustrations in the Bible of just one thing. One thing matters, and that's pursuing Jesus. I think of the story, just real quickly, of the businessman, and I think it's Mark 10, who is successful, making a lot of money, very successful businessman. And he comes to Jesus. He loves seeing what Jesus is doing. He loves seeing the difference that's being made through Jesus and His team. And he goes, Jesus, I want to go in full-time ministry with You. I want to I want to be on your team. I want to be one of your disciples. And Jesus says, awesome. Come on, let's go. Oh, but one thing. Just do this one thing. Just sell everything and come and follow me. Just sell everything. Give it to the poor. Come and follow me. And the guy couldn't do it. Now, did Jesus want his stuff? No, Jesus wanted him. He wanted his heart. And that was the one thing that was keeping him from following Jesus. And so Jesus is saying to us today, what's the one thing that's keeping you? What's the one thing in your life that's keeping you from pursuing Him? Let that one thing not be what influences you. Maybe the one thing that you do is go after Jesus 100-100%. And then, just wrapping up, another way we can win win this race is is with determination. It's with determination. You just write that word down too. Determination. Forgetting what is behind. Straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Okay. Toward the goal to win the prize. So what's the goal? Knowing Jesus. That's the goal. What's the prize? Knowing Jesus. That's the prize. Knowing Jesus, knowing Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, really knowing Him, pursuing Him. Not only is it the goal, but He Himself is our prize. He is our prize. And as we know Him more fully, then we're ultimately it results in heaven, ultimately it results in knowing Him fully. But this is really what it's all about. And then we, we had covered these other verses um, we covered these others, some of these other verses last week, but I want to move to verse 20, and I just want us to show real quick that there's promise for my future. There's promise for your future. That's your third point. 
In verse 20, right before this, he's talking about those that are distracted by the things of this world, that are pursuing just satisfying their own desires. And he compares that to, to those that are not, that are really pursuing the Lord. And in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And here he begins to look future-oriented. We've looked at our past, we've looked at present, and now we're looking future-oriented. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, this verse 20, there's so much in this one verse. It's so powerful because now he's writing to the church at Philippi, which is in northern Greece, um, Macedonia at the time, but northern Greece. uh, He's writing from Rome. Philippi is a colony of Rome. And so what that means is the rules, the privileges, the um, everything that comes with being a Roman colony, the communication, the infrastructure, that kingdom, that empire is, is over Philippi. And so they would understand this, 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 this role between Rome and Philippi and our citizenship in heaven, yet we're living here now, okay? Because in, in essence, if you got, okay, hopefully, I don't have a lot of time here, but hopefully you understand like what a colony would be. It'd be a, a nation which is a stronger power. They go and they take over another nation and they impose their, their rules, their, their services, whatever those are, onto that colony, the languages. It's not really the country, but it's kind of the country. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So, so what is going on here is he's comparing this to heaven. That our home is in heaven. That you and I are citizens of heaven. The kingdom of God is at hand. We are, we are, that's our citizenship. Uh, that's the kingdom that we're in. When we get saved, when we give our life to the Lord, when we trust Him for salvation, we move out, we remove our citizenship from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of this world, and we move into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, yet it's like a colony. They weren't in Rome. We're not in heaven, but yet the system, the communication, the power, the authority, um, all of those aspects are available to us as it is in heaven because it's as we're living in a colony. So he is he's creating this picture for them. And it's beautiful because it gives us great hope for our future. And even this word Savior here in verse 20, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This word Savior would have also been used for the Caesars of Rome. And so this whole idea of a Caesar coming and, and imposing the kingdom, and, and, but then bringing all the benefits of Rome, of this being, they would have called it a Savior. He's coming and saving what they would have been considered as savages in that day. So it is that we have a Savior who is coming to rescue us, to redeem us, to restore us, to bring us into this heavenly realm someday when we go to be with Him. And our citizenship is there now, but we're not fully there yet. It's like we're living in a colony of heaven. And that's really even what the church is. And so as we look here at verse 21, he says, And who, speaking of Jesus, who by the power that enables Him, that's what we're going to talk about on Easter, the power who enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like His glorious body. How many know that's some hope for future, right? Does anybody else here have a lowly body? Is yours getting more lowly every year? (laughs) Yeah, gravity, huh? 
So this lowly body that we have, and we're going to be transformed. And we're going to have a glorious body like Christ. And He starts on the inside of us and we, that gets transformed first. And ultimately, every aspect of us is transformed as we, as we go to be in heaven for eternity. As we go to do that. So, what difference does that make for today? What does that matter for today? Well, what matters for today is that we don't get distracted. That we don't give up hope. That we don't just live for today, but we understand that we are citizens of another place. And we live on purpose. And we're pursuing Jesus. Everything is about pursuing Jesus, going after Him. And just, just even say, just say, Jesus, make Yourself real to me. Make Yourself known to me. He says, if you will cry out to me, he goes, you will find me. He goes, I will show up. And he'll do that in your life. Would you bow your head with me?